Hello, this is the Ukraine Crisis Podcast from International SOS. I'm Paul Osborne. Today, the impact of two months of fighting on vital health care across Ukraine. There's a multitude of factors that are resulting in a significantly strained and ultimately reduced healthcare system. We'll learn more about the challenges facing Ukraine's healthcare system and how our teams have been helping clients cope with the uncertainty. The security situation in Ukraine has been a priority for teams from International SOS since the first reports of troops building up on the country's borders. But the impact on essential services is significant too, not least medical care. Hospitals have been damaged and access to health care is patchy in some parts of Ukraine. Dr. Ryan Copeland is Regional Medical Director of Assistance covering Europe, the Middle East and Africa and he's been overseeing the response to medical issues in Ukraine. When I spoke to him earlier, he told me just how big an impact two months of fighting has had on Ukraine's healthcare system. There's actually about 300 healthcare facilities that are located um, in areas where there are current security concerns. We know that there's already been damage to many of these medical facilities. Um, and in fact, the WHO references around 160 or so incidents being reported that has actually resulted in damage to healthcare facilities or uh, healthcare transportation vehicles, supplies and warehouses. But then if we also then look at the healthcare capability uh, side of things, we now see a more complex combined impact of not only damage to infrastructure, but we also see healthcare services needing to reprioritize their services um, to focus on trauma-related patients, and all of this has resulted in the reduced overall capacity to manage um, this broad spectrum of healthcare needs of the civilian population. But support to healthcare services remains the biggest issue in the country, and this is uh, in particular seen in the northeast, the eastern and southern Ukraine, where supply chains are incredibly fragile, and there's been rationing of critical medications and shortages. So as you can see, there's a multitude of factors that are resulting in a significantly strained and ultimately reduced healthcare system. And whilst there has been a huge uh, aid relief efforts, the ability of aid to reach its intended targets, um, unfortunately, remains a major issue. So it's interesting, you, men- you mentioned two problems there, both in terms of the healthcare system being damaged and trying to deal with a lot of trauma injuries, a lot of injuries directly related to, to the conflict, but also that that has then presumably made it harder to provide the sort of routine but often very important medical treatment that people would normally need in a hospital. Absolutely. So whilst emergency care is normally, you know, prioritised in the setting, you know, as you point out for trauma-related emergencies but other medical-related emergencies, there's a huge amount of other care that still needs to be factored in. What's also interesting is it's not only the prioritisation of emergency care that has been maintained, many hospitals have had to repurpose their services. So as an example, Emergency departments have been repurposed into basements of hospital buildings for safety purposes. So even the full functionality of each department may not be maintained, depending on obviously the building layout. All of this has a net impact on other services. And what's interesting is, like what we saw during the peaks of the pandemic, where we saw scheduled medical care uh, being the first to be impacted, we've seen exactly the same as part of this crisis. So in the short term, the impact is not that significant. But as the crisis you know, continues to play out, um, the burden of this will become an increasing issue. This will include deferring elective surgical procedures 
which impacts, you know, significantly on the quality of life of many uh, patients, you know, waiting for elective surgery. But it also uh, creates a delay in diagnostic imaging and procedures, which can result, as an example, in delayed diagnosis of cancer. And given the duration of the crisis to date, we're also now starting to see um, the impact on chronic disease management, things such as high blood pressure, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and cancer. It's no surprise that we therefore consider that many households who are either sheltering in their homes or staying with family and friends or are on the move will not have access to these important services. What about longer term preventative programs? It's hard to imagine that things like that are are, are even able to function in a situation like this. Absolutely. And this is quite well described in areas of conflict where researchers actually cite a wide range of longer lasting health risks for civilians caught up in conflicts. And the longer that the disruption to these chronic disease management and preventative programs last, the bigger the health burden will be. But we should also consider key infectious disease prevention programs that have been impacted. Um, As an example, polio returned to Ukraine in 2021, largely due to low immunization rates. And a large vaccination program was initiated to try and prevent further spread of this debilitating illness. Unfortunately, the onset of the crisis is now threatening the country's ability to uh, treat polio, but also to vaccinate children. And what's interesting is that this risk will not only be in Ukraine. If we consider the millions of refugees that have moved across into neighboring countries like Poland, Slovakia, Hungary, Romania, and Moldova, we must consider that polio has moved with them. Let's look at some of the issues that clients have experienced in, in terms of health care. What, what sort of medical assistance have you needed to provide through this crisis? Well, the situation in Ukraine is that of what we call a non-permissive environment, which means that no aeromedical retrievals can take place out of Ukraine. Having said that, our medical assistance in-country has been called upon, and this has mostly been around the provision of medical advice, but also around the coordination of medical care depending, obviously, on the location of the patient and the security situation at the time. But we've also uh, facilitated ground ambulance evacuations of patients across the border uh, into Poland, and this has generally been for specialized medical treatments. But what's interesting is actually the bulk of medical assistance activity uh, that we've been delivering for clients has actually been occurring outside of Ukraine, where we've been supporting uh, clients that have Ukrainian employees and dependents Um, that have traveled across the border. And this medical assistance has included several um, activities, examples of which are securing medical appointments in neighboring countries, uh, procuring medication for chronic disease management, as well as assessments of suitable locations for um, temporary relocation of clients, Ukrainian employees, in the short and medium term. And then finally, we've also actually been supporting government and charitable organizations with the onward evacuation of Ukrainian children who have complex cancer uh, diseases and they require active oncology treatments. And we've been supporting their evacuation to other EU countries and as far afield as the US. Uh, How easy has it been to track, to monitor the, the situation for healthcare services in Ukraine? Well, before the crisis, the Ukraine Ministry of Health actually had a very good hospital bed status monitoring system. And this was put in place as part of their COVID response. Um, And we actually had, up until um, the start of the crisis, a pretty good picture of the healthcare capability within each region and each city of Ukraine. 
But this, of course, now has all changed, and these monitoring systems are no longer visible. And it's actually therefore quite difficult to remotely assess the healthcare situation in Ukraine. Um, in the initial phases, we made daily contact with our key providers on the ground um, to assess capability, to understand bed uh, capacity. But as the crisis has continued, this has been deemed to be no longer sustainable, you know, given the pressures that most of our providers are under. And we've therefore moved to a model of weekly assessments of multi-source feedback, including information from in-country providers, aid organizations, as well as through other channels. Obviously, we are a long way from, from being able to see the end of the, the wider crisis. But when that day comes, do you have any idea of how long it could take to get the healthcare system in Ukraine back to the state it was in beforehand? Well, the main focus is the ability of aid to reach its intended targets. And this remains an issue. And therefore, the speed at which services can be restored will be very much dependent on the security sit uh, situation. So at present, you know, the situation can be considered as subnormal in the West and in the center of the country. But in the Northeast, East and South, where medical needs are actually the most urgent, areas are still difficult and in some place impossible to access. So in these locations, aid supply is only reaching a fraction of the needs and will continue until there are safe and reliable humanitarian borders. So restoration of services will be directly linked to the security situation and will unfortunately continue to differ significantly depending on which part of the country you're looking at. Dr. Ryan Copeland, Regional Medical Director of Assistance for Europe, the Middle East and Africa at International SOS. Don't forget, clients can access the latest information and advice on the situation in Ukraine from a special microsite. You can find it by heading to site.internationalsos.com slash Ukraine crisis. And from our website, you can also find out how to get in touch with us via our global network of assistance centres available to clients 24-7. For now, though, thanks for listening, and until next time, goodbye.